Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's the second round of the playoffs. KD and the Suns versus the Nuggets, 76ers Celtics, Heat Knicks, and of course the Lakers Warriors LeBron versus Steph rivalry. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, with the link in the description to this episode, and pick up a 50% welcome bonus on all of your bets during the NBA playoffs. Bet online, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. You can download and listen to them however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you so choose. Thank you, thank you, thank you for stopping in here today. We've got a fantabulous show coming at you today. We are going to talk about the NBA playoffs. And while I feel like every day we could kind of do what happened in the last two days of the NBA playoffs, today's a day in particular where there are two stories that I really, really want to focus in on. And look, I know there's a lot of other interesting stuff going on in the NBA playoffs. Morgan from Australia and I joked about two things. One a Boston Celtic getting hit in the penis, and then Jason Tatum got hit in the penis in game one, so we're now two for two on predicting a player on the 76ers to hit another player in the junk. We're going to probably test our luck sometime next week on that prediction, and the other thing we laughed about was both of us are picking the Denver Nuggets to win the West, and neither of us have seen the Denver Nuggets play a playoff game. I watched the Denver Nuggets play a playoff game on on Monday night. It was incredibly entertaining. Denver won with 97 points. Jamal Murray shot 3 for 15 from the field and was still a plus 14 because it was just one of those nights where it's like, oh, nobody's got it going. Okay, Jokic, I'm going to put the team on my back and I'm going to carry us to a victory. And he put up a 39-16 game and it was One of the more entertaining 97-87 games where both teams just went up and down and bricked shots for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, Jokic said, put the team on my back, I'm carrying us to a win. Which, by the way, quiet as it's kept, he's been doing that regular season and playoffs since 2019. He did it against Portland in the second round of the 2019 playoffs. He lost a duel against Anthony Davis in the 2020 bubble where Jokic and Anthony Davis in game two of the Western Conference Finals scored the last 24 points of the game, 
12 and 12 each. It just ended with Anthony Davis burying a buzzer beating three pointer to put the Nuggets down 0-2. Jokic has been this dude for a while, and if you watched Game 2 between the Suns and the Nuggets, he was magical and wonderful, and it was great to watch. Fun basketball. Chris Paul got hurt, which was unfortunate. The Phoenix Suns really are mid-range dependent, and when the mid-range game isn't falling, really for Kevin Durant, just when anything isn't falling, because Kevin Durant went... 10 for 27 from the field, which if I'm doing quick math is about 37%, and 2 for 11 from three-point, which if I'm doing quick math is 18% from the three-point line. So when Kevin Durant didn't have it going and Chris Paul went out of the game and he's probably out for the series now because they said he's out for games three, four, and five, and this series ain't going longer than five games. So the Denver Nuggets, I mean, Chris Paul getting hurt stinks. The Denver Nuggets are rolling through the playoff, and my prediction is still very much alive when I said at the All-Star break the Denver Nuggets would win the Western Conference going 12-3. and They would never face an elimination game against any team, and lo and behold, it's looking pretty likely that Denver is going to coast to the Western Conference Finals with only one loss, and that one loss came despite a 12-point comeback in the final three minutes of the game and Jokic missing one free throw that would have given them a perfect 6-0 and record to start the NBA playoffs. And also, Jimmy Butler got hurt in the end of Game 1, and he didn't play in Game 2. At the time of recording right now, it is a low-scoring bullshit game between Miami and the New York Knicks, just putting it out there. I don't want to talk about Miami and New York. If you want some of that breakdown, we did it on uh, Monday's episode of the show. If you want to tune into that Miami Heat New York Knicks series, we did a lot of Miami Heat talk, talked about game 1. Uh Caleb Martin is the leading scorer for the the Miami Heat and they are beating the New York Knicks at halftime by 3 points, which is kind of funny. I don't want to talk about that series. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Nuggets, and we did that there. The two stories I want to focus in on today are both involving one particular playoff team, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. The first story I would like to talk about is Monday's Game 1 between the 76ers and the Boston Celtics. Not just to talk about how Morgan from Australia and I predicted that the 76ers would hit the Celtics in the junk. Now, did we predict it would be Joel Embiid and Blake Griffin? Yes, we did. Was that incorrect? 
Yes, it was. Why? Because Joel Embiid didn't play in the game. We knew it was a possibility Joel Embiid wouldn't play in the game. We still just wanted to be silly and fun. I encourage you to check out the podcast with Morgan from Australia and I. It's on the episode below this one. It's really good and really funny. The Philadelphia 76ers played the Boston Celtics in Game 1 without Joel Embiid, beat the Boston Celtics with vintage James Harden burying three-pointer after three-pointer. He hit seven of them in the game, had 15 points in the fourth quarter, including a step-back three-pointer, and with eight seconds to go right in the face of Al Horford, it was vintage James Harden. And I've been saying for years, remember, I am a nerd. I'm a basketball nerd. As my fan width has gotten smaller, I've had less time to watch basketball, along with the proliferation and realization that the NBA regular season just doesn't matter at all. I've watched less and less basketball than I used to. Even when this podcast first started, I used to watch way more basketball than I do now. It's a balance in my life that I need. And so to do basketball analysis, I lean a lot heavier on analytics, as you've probably heard if you've listened to us talk basketball on this podcast. And so as I'm watching James Harden, who for years has been one of the most underrated players in the NBA, James Harden finished top two in the MVP four times in five seasons. Now, he only won the one, and people will hold that up with him as a one-time MVP, and James Harden is not Steph Curry. That's not a disrespect to James Harden, because behind Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, James Harden is without question the third best player of his generation. And what's ironic is that he now plays on a team with the third best player of his generation, Joel Embiid who just won MVP, and that's the second story that I want to talk about later. First, on James Harden, the previous generation's third best player. James Harden put up 45 points, 17 of 30 from the field, hit 7 of 14 threes. I know he did the Kevin Durant numbers earlier. If I'm doing the quick math, that is 45 points from James Harden, 56% from the field, 50% from three-point, game-winning shot with eight seconds to go, not quite from the Lucky Charms logo like Trey Young, still a badass game-winning shot to beat the Boston Celtics. After the possession before, the Boston Celtics ran out the shot clock, threw a turnover directly to Tyrese Maxey, who went down and took the lead 114-113 with like 20-something seconds left in the game. Then Jason Tatum hit two free throws, and then James Harden time. Eight seconds, step back on Al Horford, buckets. And the reason I wanted to talk about James Harden is because the vintage James Harden game on Monday then led to me on Tuesday thinking about the career of James Harden in retrospect, because something I realized um, when when James Harden made the post after the game about how he wanted to go to the Met Gala, but he's always in the playoffs. Because for those who don't know, the Met Gala is always the first week of May or like the last week of April every year. And I started thinking about that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. James Harden always is in the playoffs during the Met Gala. Russell Westbrook, I've seen pull up to the Met Gala dozens of times, not dozens of times, a few times I've seen Russell Westbrook pull up to the Met Gala. One time with James Harden, which I don't remember the circumstances for why, they were together at the Met Gala, but 
What was so interesting about it was James Harden put up 45 points in that game and showed up to the arena with like these um, like bell bottom jeans that went all the way down to the floor, kind of like uh, like a Cookie Monster suit was the way that it was described. It's really awesome. I mean, I'm a fashion dude uh, for like I'm I'm a fashion sucker. I'm not a fashion dude, but I'm a fashion sucker. Where like I really want the Kyle Kuzma long sweater. I loved it when Russell Westbrook showed up like a crossing guard or when he had the shirt without any buttons down the middle so it was just his pecs and his six pack or when James Harden does the wacky outfits or Clay Thompson like I love the stupid fun fashion stuff uh that happens in sports and sometimes outside of sports but I did, I'm kind of a bit of a sports nerd so James Harden's outfit and him saying he wants to be at the Met Gala, so he kind of turned the runway at the Boston Celtics arena into his own Met Gala, was interesting because it reminded me that James Harden is the only player in the NBA that has made the second round of the playoffs seven consecutive seasons. The only current active player in the NBA who has made the second round of the playoffs every season for seven straight years. And that streak goes back further if you include 2015 when the Rockets made the conference finals and his OKC days where they made two conference finals and an NBA finals. Well, really, no, they made, uh, yeah, they made two conference finals and an NBA finals in Harden's four seasons with Oklahoma City. But what's so interesting about Harden being the player who's made the second round of the playoffs for the last seven years, the only one in the entire NBA... And he's done it on three different teams now, Houston, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia. What's so interesting about that from the Harden perspective is because he has not won an NBA championship or made it to an NBA championship, despite the fact that the 2018 Rockets team was closer to winning a championship than any non-champion in NBA history. What's so remarkable about James Harden's Houston Rockets, Brooklyn Nets, and now Philadelphia 76ers career is that he is consistently deep in the playoffs every year. And because his reputation is such that he burns out by the time he gets to the playoffs, there is this reputational divide between the successes of James Harden and his teams. Teams that for five of the seven runs, he was the best player on those teams. There's debate about this year because Joel Embiid played in the first round of the playoffs, but I'm going to articulate that Joel Embiid only played basically two and a half games of the first round. And I know he's the MVP of the league, but James Harden was the best player on the last two games of this Brooklyn series. So basically all four years with the Rockets and this year on the 76ers, James Harden has been the best player on a team that has made it to the second round of the playoffs. And what's so interesting about that is because James Harden has a reputation for burning out deeper in the playoffs because he exerts so much energy in these regular seasons, and people will point to like James Harden going to strip clubs or James Harden going to Vegas. Look, man, James Harden spent a week in Vegas after the 76ers won that first round series. They didn't play game one until nine days after they won that first round series. You know what James Harden did? He spent six days in Las Vegas. Sometimes he flew back to Philadelphia for practices. He spent six days in Las Vegas 
last week showed up and dropped 45 points on the Boston Celtics. Las Vegas is a power-up for James Harden. It ain't a hindrance. Yeah, he didn't take care of his body all that great. James Harden, Las Vegas, that is like a rejuvenation for that man because James Harden came back from six days in Vegas and he looked like 2018 James Harden all over again. I don't understand it. I'm not going to argue it. It's just the way that James Harden is built. What's so interesting, before, before I went on that side note, what's so interesting about the reputation of James Harden as the player five years ago and James Harden with the successes that we really don't talk about because he's in this space where he makes it to either the second round or the conference finals every year is being the third best player of your generation is an incredibly remarkable achievement. And what's so interesting, and we'll talk about Joel Embiid in the same respect in a little bit, but what's so interesting about the winner-take-all mentality is that being consistently third is not revered in the way that it probably should be. It doesn't mean putting James Harden on the ultimate pedestal of a Steph Curry, but it doesn't mean disregarding James Harden's career in the way that some people are quick to because of lack of postseason success burning out at the end, James Harden fighting his way out of Houston and again out of Brooklyn. There's an incredible level of accomplishment with what's happened in James Harden's career. For a player like uh, Charles Barkley once said once upon a time, he is the most unique offensive player in the history of the NBA. Might be the greatest singular offensive player in the NBA. James Harden's game is so unique and so interesting and comes at this intersection with Daryl Morey of analytics entering the NBA and the Steph Curry revolution and James Harden being right behind the curve because it's almost as if Daryl Morey and James Harden were working on a science experiment with basketball during a lot of Harden's career, whether it was the double step back moves from Harden, whether it was those dribble moves in the lane that drew fouls and got him to the free throw line more than any player in the history of the NBA at one point. And the proliferation of analytics showed us that three-pointers and free throws, but after layups, which James Harden's great at getting to the layup, to getting to layups as well, like behind the layup, the three-pointer and the free throw are the best shots in the NBA. And so it was like this science experiment of James Harden's career and an offense that was so predicated on James Harden because he did better than anyone else three-pointers and free throws. And this experiment that we'll probably never see again in any capacity of the NBA because of the proliferation of analytics and Daryl Morey's experiment with James Harden and and James Harden's unique basketball abilities. Like, we will probably never see an experiment quite like those 2010s Houston Rocket teams again. What's so interesting about James Harden's career is that Through this proliferation of analytics, James Harden built a career as the third best player of his generation. And then at the end of his physical prime, went to pair up with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. And if not for a hamstring injury, and by the way, he played through the hamstring injury in that series against Milwaukee. If not for a hamstring injury... Him and Kevin Durant perhaps get the championship in 2021 that validates everything James Harden was doing in his career. And now that James Harden is no longer in his physical prime, he's still an incredible basketball player. He's just no longer an MVP. He didn't even make the All-Star team this year and probably won't make an All-NBA team this year. Even though James Harden is no longer one of the five best players in the NBA, 
it is still remarkable to think about his career in retrospect because there is a very good chance that if the Philadelphia 76ers can beat the Boston Celtics, they're going to win the NBA championship, or at the very least, they're going to make the NBA championship. And maybe that will be a validation of James Harden's career as a number two late in his career, the same way that Gary Payton's championship with the Miami Heat was a validation of his earlier years in his career. Like, I don't know how we'll look back on James Harden's championship run with the Sixers if it happens this year, and I really don't care because I don't need James Harden to win a championship to validate the remarkable career that James Harden has put together. And putting that into perspective, coming off of that vintage 45-point game where he was the singular offensive threat that carried... Philadelphia with with a very good roster around him with Tobias Harris and Therese Maxey and PJ Tucker taking zero shots and still being one of the highest plus minus players on the Sixers. James Harden being the singular offensive focal point won a game in Boston in the second round of the playoffs at age 33 which is something that he wasn't even doing at age 28 when it was the Rockets going up against the Spurs in 2017, when it was the Rockets against the Warriors in 2019, when it was the Rockets against the Lakers in the bubble of 2020. Even in his physical prime, James Harden was not the singular offensive threat that was at times winning basketball games the way that he did on Monday with the 76ers. And it's so interesting to think about Harden's career from that perspective because now at 33 he's giving us vintage moments that we saw dozens and dozens of times in Houston at a point in the playoff where he will be validated as a not necessarily a champion but even as someone who makes the NBA finals late in his career by people who are winner take all or people who maybe haven't thought about James Harden in that respect since his bitter fallout with the Rockets in November of 2020, or I guess it was into 2021 too. When he got traded from the Rockets to the Nets, for some people that was kind of the dismissal of James Harden's career from that point forward because he spent the one year in Brooklyn and his soft tissue injury made him an afterthought of that incredible Kevin Durant series against the Bucks. He got traded from Brooklyn to Philadelphia And then got to Philadelphia, and it was a bit of a clusterfuck trying to fit Harden and Embiid and the rest of the team together to the point where people weren't sure if Harden was going to return for this season because of how much of a clusterfuck that first year went. And then to bring it back here, it's it's been easy to dismiss. I mean, again, James Harden's not going to make All-NBA this year. It's been easy to dismiss what James Harden has been doing ever since... 2019, really, because even that bubble season, I mean, the Rockets were a four seed in the West, and a lot of people forget that they went to seven games with Oklahoma City in the first round of the bubble. So, I mean, really, since the bubble, it's been easy to dismiss what James Harden has been doing if you're not focusing on it because it wasn't as great as 27 or 2016 to 2019 James Harden. Those four years of James Harden's prime were so magical and incredible that it became easy to dismiss what became of Harden later in his career. And hopefully, a deep playoff run for the 76ers might be a validation for James Harden amongst others. It doesn't need to be a validation for me. It's just interesting to now look at Harden's career in that perspective of 
not only being one of the great players of his generation and and without question the third best player of his generation behind Steph Curry and and Kevin Durant but also the fact that even Steph Curry and Kevin Durant faltered in the playoffs and everyone who talks about James Harden's game isn't aging gracefully James Harden has aged gracefully in terms of team success because he is the only player in the NBA to make the playoffs each of the last seven seasons, and on five of those teams, he has been the best player on that team. He has aged gracefully in terms of recognizing his limitations because he's played on Houston, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia Over the last seven years, and every single team James Harden has played on has made it to the second round of the playoffs. That's something you can't even say for LeBron, for Kevin Durant, for Steph Curry. Steph Curry twice, too. Steph Curry and the Warriors didn't even make the playoffs twice. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, you can't say that for Giannis. You can't say that for Jimmy Butler. You can't say that for Devin Booker. You can't say it for Damian Lillard. You can't say it for any player in the NBA that for seven consecutive seasons, they have made it to the second round of the playoffs. And so for all the talk about James Harden's game isn't going to age gracefully, James Harden has found a solution to that. And that solution is to find a niche on a team where he is either the first or second best player. A lot of the times the first best player. He is either the first best player or the second best player on teams that are consistently making it to the final eight in the playoffs. Joel MVP'd is officially a thing. I know that was a shitty joke, but I've been wanting to get it off for weeks. Joel Embiid won the MVP four years after the process was officially in win-now mode, nine years after Sam Hinkie drafted him, and seven years after Sam Hinkie was unceremoniously removed from his position as general manager by Adam Silver and the NBA because he was talking a little bit too much about tanking and the process for the 76ers. And nine years later, from Trust the Process being a thing and a rallying cry for the Philadelphia 76ers, Nine years later, all that is left of the process is Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is the process. Joel Embiid is why the process existed. And Joel Embiid is now the embodiment of 
Sam Hinkie's process because Joel Embiid was the first draft pick of Sam Hinkie's. He sat out Joel Embiid two full seasons early in his career as he recovered from knee and ankle injuries, played 31 games in his first three seasons, got a full contract extension from the Sixers. There was no question he was getting that contract extension after year three. And from there, Joel Embiid developed into the third best player of his generation. And it's fitting that he now gets to win the MVP number five of his generation because Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Anthony Davis, and Devin Booker are the five players I would regard as the best of the generation currently in their prime and getting ready to exit their prime. Giannis won two MVPs in 2019 and 2020. Jokic won two MVPs in 2021 and 2022. Now Joel Embiid gets an MVP in 2023. And all is right in the universe because some people get incredibly lazy when it comes to history of the NBA. And part of it is laziness and part of it is we just can't remember everything. We can't remember every season. We can't remember every award. We can't remember every statistic. And we can't remember every playoff series. It's just too much information to remember. And while I do a better job of it than most, there are moments and lapses in information for myself. The winner-take-all MVP structure and the winner-take-all championship structure, or at least just conference championship, because most people can name you, most basketball fans can name you the champion in every year for the last 15 years. Many of them can name you the team that played in the finals during those seasons. They might have a hard time telling you the conference finals each of the last 15 seasons. And so it's just too much information to remember. And so the winners are the easiest thing to remember, especially for people who are not super, super invested in the sport. And so Each generation, MVPs come to embody who the four or five best players of a generation were. If we think about the generation prior to this current one, and remember, generations are every five years in the NBA, because five years is the physical prime of a basketball player, so each generation lasts about five years, give or take, five, six, each is different based on the player, because the physical primes of basketball players last about four to five years. If you think about the five years prior to Giannis winning his first MVP, it was Steph Curry won uh, Steph Curry won two MVPs. Kevin Durant won one in 2014. 2017 was Russell Westbrook. 2018 was James Harden. Those four players, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, those four players came to embody a generation worth of basketball. You can name players after them, whether it be DeMar DeRozan, Clay Thompson, Paul George, Damian Lillard. You can name players after them, but the generation itself was embodied by those four players being the best in the sport consistently for four to five seasons. And the generation before that was LeBron, LeBron, Derrick Rose, LeBron, LeBron. So it was a very LeBron-centric generation. It also had... Dwight Howard finishing top five in the MVP twice, uh, top five in the MVP four times, top two in the MVP twice. It had 
Dwayne Wade finishing top three in the MVP twice. It had Carmelo Anthony finishing in the top three once for MVP. Like, there were other players, LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, Derrick Rose. There were other players. It's a very LeBron-centric generation in hindsight, but still, there were other great players in the NBA for that generation. And so... And, and by the way, the future generation is going to be Anthony Edwards, or sorry, not Anthony Edwards, it's going to be Luca, John Morant, Zion Williamson, yeah, maybe Anthony Edwards does fall into this group. Jason Tatum will be the bridge between the two generations because he finished fourth in the MVP. Shy Gilgis Alexander might be part of this generation. He finished fifth in the MVP this year. So Shy Gilgis Alexander might be a part of this. And... The current generation that is in their physical prime, the third best player is Joel Embiid, and I'm glad that Joel Embiid has an MVP that will go down to represent his generation, because if Dwayne Wade had won an MVP between 2009 and 2013, we might look more fondly upon Dwayne Wade's career, and Dwayne Wade finished top three in the MVP twice. Dwayne Wade has about the equivalent career of Joel Embiid, Dwayne Wade has just played on better teams than Joel Embiid. In terms of what they represented to their generation, Joel Embiid and Dwayne Wade are very comparable players in terms of their individual abilities and individual successes. Obviously, different positions do very different things, but you think of LeBron and then Dwayne Wade. You might even think of Derrick Rose because of the one MVP, but you think of LeBron and you think of Dwayne Wade, in this generation you think of Giannis, you think of Jokic, and you think of Embiid. And Embiid winning this MVP feels like all is right in the universe. Not just because of the Sam Hinkie process, getting to have an MVP trophy to its name, because if uh, if you haven't, I, if there's a really great book by Yaron Weitzman called Tanking to the Top that talks about the 76ers and the process with Joel Embiid, but the story behind Hinky and drafting Embiid is remarkable because the idea of the process was we're going to consistently get top picks and if they had just drafted Kristaps Porzingis over Jaleel Okafor and if they had just drafted Jason Tatum over Markel Fultz the process would have been a dynastic run dynastic they would have had Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis, and still would have had the trade assets to trade for Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris. Like, they they could have had Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis, a starting lineup, a start, wow, this is crazy to think about, a starting lineup for the Philadelphia 76ers could have been Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid with Kristaps Porzingis coming off the bench. It's just wild to think about how good that Sixers team could have been. And the Philadelphia 76ers, at the end of the process, found themselves with Joel Embiid. The draft picks they traded for Jimmy Butler also included Dario Saric and Robert Covington, who were developmental pieces of the process. Weren't high draft picks, but became impactful NBA players who are still in the league on almost playoff teams. I mean, Covington plays for the, uh, I think he's on the Clippers now, but Covington played for the Clippers. Saric plays for Oklahoma City, like still in the NBA 10 years after being drafted by the Sixers. And 
They gave away those pieces for Jimmy Butler and let Jimmy Butler leave for Josh Richardson as a free agent. Like a sign and trade for Josh Richardson wasn't really doing anything for the Sixers. So they let Jimmy Butler walk in free agency, then traded away Ben Simmons. And now all that is left of the process, well, traded away Markel Fultz too. And all that is left of the process is Joel Embiid. The entire rest of the roster are pieces acquired after Sam Hinkie or even after Brian Colangelo's burner phones got him fired because he was installed as general manager by the NBA. All that remains from the original process is Joel Embiid, and his nickname is literally The Process. Joel Embiid is The Process, and The Process is now the MVP player. And what's so remarkable about it is the luck that went into getting Joel Embiid, because if you think about the best players of this current generation, I I mentioned a handful of them earlier, Giannis, Jokic, uh, Embiid, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Uh, we could go down the list to find uh, a couple other people, but those are the five that I really want to focus in on as the best, even Donovan Mitchell, we'll throw Donovan Mitchell in this mix too. Um, If you look at those six players, Probably the six best of their generation, the people we consistently point to as all-stars or MVPs, the superstars of sorts. You have Giannis picked 15th in the NBA draft, a developmental project that became an MVP. Jokic picked 41st in the NBA draft, like the ultimate developmental project with Jokic. Anthony Davis was a number one pick back in 2012, and that was a developmental project that didn't need, I mean, it never worked out in New Orleans, but really took about eight years to really get that number one pick into something that could lead to a a, a significant championship caliber team, and it took him leaving to go to the Lakers. Anthony Davis is another exception here, and you have Devin Booker, who was picked 13th in the draft, and you have Donovan Mitchell, who was picked 13th in the draft. Sam Hinkie's process of the best opportunity to land a superstar is at the top of the draft didn't actually prove to be true in this generation. This was a generation where getting drafted early was just as much of a crapshoot as getting drafted in the second round of the draft or the, the middle of the first round. The stars of this generation we could expand this out to even Kawhi Leonard who's kind of a tweener between the two generations Kawhi Leonard was picked with the 15th pick in the draft the players who were drafted the top didn't turn into the all-time great players except for Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis wasn't available to Sam Hinkie because Sam Hinkie didn't get that job until 2013 with the 76ers The only player at the top of the NBA draft who turned into a star was Joel Embiid. And Sam Hinkie got him. The process that ended up with Sam Hinkie being removed in disgrace as general manager of the Sixers. The process that led to Sam Hinkie publicly being embarrassed by the NBA, becoming a pariah amongst basketball people and a savior amongst nerds like me i love the t-shirt in philadelphia that says sam hinky died for your sins i have a picture of it on twitter if you want to check it out sam hinky the pariah amongst nba people the savior among nerds 
got the only star at the top of the draft, which was basically his entire strategy, which is the best way to acquire a superstar player is at the top of the draft. And this was a tried and true strategy. Kevin Durant picked second overall. LeBron picked first overall. Dwayne Wade picked fifth overall. Derrick Rose, first overall. Dwight Howard, first overall. Carmelo Anthony, fourth overall. The tried and true way to... uh, uh, Chris Paul was a fifth overall pick in the draft. For multiple generations, the way to get a top player was at the top five picks in the draft. And more likely to get a number one pick in the draft. Every MVP between 2008 and 2014 was picked in the top two picks. And every top two finish was picked in the top five picks. Twelve For six seasons, the top two in the MVP were picked in the top five picks. The strategy made sense from Sam Hinkie. And the strategy still makes sense. Russell Westbrook, fourth pick in the draft. James Harden, third pick in the draft. Kevin Durant, second pick in the draft. Steph Curry, ninth pick in the draft. Which is breaking the mold a little bit. Steph Curry fell out of the top five, but still a top ten pick. That mold stopped with this last generation. It was Giannis at 15. It was Devin Booker, 13. uh, Mitchell, 13. Jokic, 41 in the draft. The model stopped working with this generation, and yet somehow Sam Hinkie is the one responsible for drafting the one player with which the model made sense, because Joel Embiid was the third overall pick in the 2014 NBA draft and should have been the number one pick if not for injuring his knee during a workout with the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's remarkable, remarkable that the Sam Hinkie pariah ended up turning into the, 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 the model turned into the only player of his generation that would win an MVP, picked in the top five. And Sam Hinkie got him. It's remarkable. The story is ridiculous. And Yaron Weitzman's book does a better job of explaining it over 200-something pages than I will ever be able to articulate in 15 minutes of a podcast segment. So... Again, the story is amazing and incredible, and congrats to Joel Embiid on winning that MVP. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Make sure to leave a five-star review, downloads, maybe even buy our book. We wrote a book about Kawhi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs. Not as popular or might even say not as well uh it's maybe not as good as Yaron Weitzman's 76ers book but we did a great job with this story and while we have less sources Yaron Weitzman covered the Sixers for years and years while we don't have as many sources we still put together an incredibly interesting and captivating book that I think you might enjoy so that's available wherever you get books All of our dreams are available with all of the links in the description to this episode and we appreciate all of you for continuing to support our dreams. We will talk to you again tomorrow, and in the meantime, take it easy.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.